because I couldn't see the lectern. But it's, oh gosh. Oh, it's going to be tough for you, Jeff. It's not much room. If only there was a solution. Mind blown. Did I do good, honey? <laughs> embarrassed my wife. Quota for the week. Check. No, it's uh, my name's Scott, and being the uh, congregational, perhaps absolute privilege to be up here with you, and so that we can pray together to our mighty God. Let's let's close our eyes. Dear God, we thank you for the week that that we've lived. For some of us, a good week, others a not-so-good week. We know that regardless of, of how our week went, that you love us and your love is unchanging. Your love can never be taken away and your love is, is unconditional, Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are, that you're infinite, eternal and unchangeable. That, Lord, you, you hate injustice, that you are so pure and set such a high standard and uncompromising, but you still sent your son to die in our place. Lord, we thank you that we know if we confess our sins that you will forgive us and you will purify us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank you that this gift, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, is available to all with no deeds required, no things you need to do, but just to come with a humble, repentant heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I need a saviour and I would like to be restored in my relationship with the creator of the universe. Lord, we, we come before you for those times where we've messed up, where we've sinned in action, words and thoughts, for the things that we have done, but also the things we haven't done. From the time that we've walked past someone in need, from the time that we've stopped and not reached out put our needs first and lord we are sorry we think of those times not just in the last week but previous times if there's anything that we haven't come to the lord come to you yet lord we do that now lord we we know that you will forgive us we know that you accept the repentant humble heart lord we know that you when we confess our sins, that you will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we, we thank you for the, the many blessings this year was coming sort of out of out of the lockdowns. Lord, we, we thank you with the growth in the ministries, with, with people coming back and gathering together and worshipping and fellowshipping and, and serving each other. We thank you that that whilst we're not back in the normal sea, in the new normal, Lord, that we are able to connect more with each other. Lord, we thank you for those who've served this year faithfully across all of the ministries. And Lord, we pray that you will bring more than the 200 volunteers for the carols. And Lord, that you will bring many thousands to the event. And Lord, we pray that people's hearts will be stirred with the gospel message. And Lord, we pray that people will be saved. Lord, practically pray that we will invite our neighbours, our friends, our family who do not know you. That we will make the most of that time at the carols and that we will put others first in service to you. 
Lord, we pray for those who are suffering. We pray for those who have uh, physical and mental ailments at the moment, Lord, and for those seeking treatment. We, we pray for um, the, the wisdom through the hands of, of those uh, supporting and, and working to heal them, Lord. And we pray for also for those who have lost loved ones as well, that bittersweet moment, particularly for those who are Christian, celebrating that now as folks are with you in paradise for eternity, Lord, but we still miss them. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering long-term illness. We pray, give them comfort. We pray, give them support. And Lord, pray, remind them that you are with them always, regardless of what happens with our frail little bodies here on earth, that you will give us a new body, a new creation when we see you in paradise. Lord, we want to pray for, uh, for those who are unreached, for those people in our, our circle of influence within our family as well. Lord, give us the words to speak. And Lord, most importantly, we pray it's not through our efforts, but that your spirit will, will stir in, in the hearts of those who don't know you yet. But use us as, as your humble servants, Lord. Um, we are available in whatever capacity that we can serve, all working together so that the good news may be shared. And Lord, I pray that you may speak powerfully through through your servant Jeff tonight, that that your words may be more than things that we that we hear, that we learn, that we that we write down, but that may be impressed upon our hearts, they may stir us into action so that we may strive to serve more effectively be a little more like jesus every day but not through our strength but through the power of your spirit and through the plan that you have for our lives every single one of us pray these things in your name amen please join us as we continue to praise our lord
please take a seat. Hi. Is this on? Yeah, okay. I'm Aurora Barry, and tonight's Bible reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse um, 1 to 18. Therefore, since the, therefore, since through Christ, through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we condemn ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. For we preach what is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your servant for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this, all the surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, uh, yeah, struck down, but not destroyed. We always, we always carry around in the body of our body in the death of. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive. For we who are alive are always been given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is, not, is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we, since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that grace is reaching more and more people, may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Evening, everyone. Um, <clears throat> I think we're right. As uh, I have the opportunity to share with you, I realised it's over 50 years ago that I became a Christian in this church. Right? 
in this church, I began serving amongst children in Sunday school, kids camps, beach mission, VBS, served as a youth pastor, I served as a senior pastor, missionary, vice principal of a Baptist theological college, Queensland Baptist missions director, a national director of Australian Baptist Missionary Society or Global Interaction, served on the QB executive, been a regional minister, been a vice chairman for the board at Hillcrest Christian College. What some of you would say is a good resume of service. But remember what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Wow. Wow. What appears to us as great outcomes is worthless. It doesn't matter one little bit. The Christian life and ministry is all about living dependent lives on Jesus. Some of our cultural assumptions in our Western way of thinking makes it very hard for us to live according to biblical truth. You see, you and I, growing up in this society, believe that we live in a real and rational world, not a spiritual dimension as part of that. And, and because it's real and rational, uh, it's very easy for us to judge people by what they have and what they do. Uh, also, we equate happiness with having material wealth. And so we put a profit ahead of the well-being of others. Or we see that this world is orderly. And so we solve problems, trying to work everything out. We think of things in categories. It's either this or either that. It's either work or play. It's not play while you work. We think planning is so important uh, that we get frustrated when it doesn't work out. We worry about pragmatic matters. And churches can often say, let's do this because it works. And God says, it's not about whether it works. It's all about me. We have a view of this world that is mechanistic, that, that nature, the world that God made, is treated as a machine, that, that people are cogs in a machine, that you are cogs in a church, that production and profit is, is important and, and being idle is lazy, that those who do things are the heroes, that it's important to measure things in life, that quantification becomes important. Bigger churches are better churches. Do we say that? Often that's the way we walk. We're an individualistic society. The only person who's important is me. The only one that's significant is me. We think and choose for ourselves. We don't do it as an identity together. And so as individuals, we, we look to who I am as a person. How will others perceive me? Our reliance becomes upon ourselves. And if we form a group, then it's an agreement that we have that's a benefit to you and I. So why do we come to church? Because I will get something out of it. You see, all of these things influence our thinking. And the Spirit of God wants to teach us some important truths. The passage that Aurora read to us tonight is all about serving in the light of eternity. 
That's what's important. Service to Christ can be really discouraging if we measure everything we do. Really discouraging. Because there'll be some of you who are gifted in all manner of way and receive the accolades for what you do. God looks at the heart. Pastoral life, people we think as, uh, as followers, don't turn out that way. Shallow. There's the soil that doesn't produce much. People let us down, accuse us, aren't faithful to us. You see a list of those things. People that we journey with make bad choices in life and suffer the consequences of that. Within church life, people are conformed to the world's thinking. Materialism is rife. Uh, we live within that all the time. Others we know are impacted by the flesh and we cast them aside. People deceived by the devil and his lies and uh, all around us it happens. And the Apostle Paul lived in that discouragement. It's the experience of the people of God when we live in this fallen world. It was the experience of our Lord Jesus. His wonderful followers what did they do they blasphemed they denied him they betrayed him they rejected him and the passage that we look at we do not lose heart sometimes churches have this fluctuating youth have this fluctuating you know things grow things decline why? Often the purposes of God for the refining of the people of God for your own refinement. I want you tonight not to lose heart. Does that make sense? Your service to Christ is not in vain. Your service to Christ doesn't mean it's dictated by the things that you do. It's by your life and your love for him that manifests out of who you are your desire to see him on it. Does that make sense? You with me on this? This is really important as younger people who, who don't tell the oldies this, but I come to this service because I love to see you guys continue to grow. I think you have a wonderful future as you simply trust him and live for him. Don't let this world take you away from the simplicity of living for him. Now, uh, Warren and Margie, they are faithful in the life of this. They weren't even here, and they look like they've been here forever and a day when I came to faith. But they have been consistently faithful in the life of this church, in all of its things that have happened, Faithfulness and love and service to Christ is what will make it. We do not lose heart. You got it? We do not lose heart, no matter what happens around us, because we don't serve for those round about us. We serve him. Right. Background to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Written about a year after 1 Corinthians, after the riot of Ephesus, if, you've, if you know your scriptures, spend time looking at the scriptures. Paul found it necessary to leave Macedonia. And in spite of the fact that there was a wonderful opportunity for him in Troas, 
he stopped en route and wanted to get back to Corinth. So he wrote this letter. It's clear that 2 Corinthians was Paul's response to a vicious and untruthful slanders against who he was by Jews. Okay? So he's writing this in defence of that. Um, keep this in mind as we go through this passage. Some question his credentials as a true apostle. They allege that he left Corinth because he was a coward, because he didn't have courage to stand in the midst of it. They hinted that there was some impropriety with the way that offerings had been collected for the poor for Jerusalem. They charged him with inferiority, citing the fact that he didn't preach for pay, and only the important people would be those who preach and they would be paid. They demeaned his personal appearance and made fun of his sermons. They never missed an opportunity of pursuit and harassment for him, who was, as we know, one of the most gifted of apostles from that which we've read. This passage began with one little word. How many of you heard it? Therefore. All right? If you hear, therefore, what do you ask? What's it there for? All right, remember? So what's it there for? Let me read this to you from verse 17. This is just before it. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Okay? And because of that, because of that truth, you heard what was said in chapter 4. We do not lose heart. Why? We have an eternal ministry. An eternal ministry. That's what verses 1 to 6 are all about. It has an eternal perspective. It impacts lives forever. Those of you who will never know the lives that are touched because you're simply doing what Jesus has asked you to do. Forever. Forever. It has eternal origins. It's a, a gift out of God's hand to us to be his vessels, to engage in something that is for the glory of God forever and ever and ever. That's what life is about. That's your journey and my journey for now until the day I die. To live for him. To serve him. It has eternal character. It's overwhelmed by the grace and mercy of God. You cannot serve him. You cannot serve him unless you're aware of his grace and mercy. Because you will lose heart if it's not. And so we keep on. Young people, you've just begun. Just begun. And you say, I've been doing serving the Lord for 10 years. You've just begun. I've been doing it for over 50 years. I've just begun. 
I've just begun. The journey is ours for eternity. That's why we're here, to love and to serve him. A discouraged Methodist preacher wrote to the great Scottish preacher Alexander White to ask his counsel, uh, should I leave the ministry? And White said, never think of giving up preaching. The angels around the throne envy you your great work. That was the kind of reply that Paul has written here. Our work is not in vain. The angels cannot do that which you do. Your life sings to the testimony of God. In verses 2 to 4, we keep on in humility. What have you got to offer him that he hasn't given you? Apart from him, we can do? Yeah, I'm glad you learned that from last life, those who did. Right? You can't. All of our attempts, unless they're out of a dependent relation with him, are worthless. They're nothing. So we keep on in humility. Humility is a right understanding of who you are, seen as who you are in the presence of God. It's not a false humility. It's recognising that you are someone that God has made and can use for eternal purposes. And we keep on in humility, pointing people to who? Pastor Jeff, come on. Who else is there? Yeah. Wouldn't we be in a bad way if that was the case? We point people to Jesus. There is no one in all of history who could ever be compared to Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only true son of God, full of grace and truth. Wow. We point people to Jesus because he is the one that will provide the answer in life. It won't be your mum, won't be your dad, won't be your friend, won't be your pastor. It's Jesus. And if you can continue to see that your life service is about loving him, listening to him, being obedient to him, then out of that you will see what Paul says, we preach not ourselves. The Judaizers, they were preaching only about themselves. Oh, you should be coming and doing what we say. Now, see what I've done. And Paul says, no, no it's, it's not about that. Not about that at all. It's all about Jesus. Because when we preach Jesus, the light shines through us. The one who is the light of the world. And people see him. They don't just see you and I. Um, I don't know about you, but in my life, the ones that have made the most impression upon me were simply those who loved Jesus. They just loved him. They lived for him. Uh, nothing was too much trouble. A bit of history for you guys. Anyone ever heard of the Prokic family? Yes. All right. Um, for your information, 
it was because of Danny Prokic that I actually was someone who learned to love Jesus. Danny couldn't speak much. He was a Yugoslav, fled from uh, uh, the, the horrible nature of what was going overseas. But I tell you what he did. He loved Jesus. It, what would he do? Anything that would please Jesus. Clean the toilets. Love to do that for my Jesus. Love to do that. When I've been in churches, it's simply those who love Jesus. They live for him. His light shines through. For you and I, his light will shine through us. Paul compared conversion to creation, uh, like uh, a light that comes into the world. And there's no darkness. Our journey is to see the light of God permeate who we are so that others see him. I am the light of the world. That's Jesus. If he's your light, it will be seen. Our job is not to hide the light somewhere else. You'd never be ashamed of Jesus, would you guys? I guess we all have done things in the past that we would say to ourselves, I don't think anyone knows I'm a follower of Jesus. Can I say, uh, never be ashamed. You have life forever and ever and ever because he is not ashamed of you. Not ashamed to call you sinful, rotten person that you are. I speak about myself. To be his son, to be his brother, to be a child of God. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. You and I have a priceless ministry. That's what verses 7 to 15 are all about. Now, and it's, and Paul used this expression, it's in an earthen jar. Uh, all manner of precious things are hidden in the most unlikely places. Thousands of dollars in a mattress. Valuable stamps in an old album. An antique coin amongst the loose chains. A lost transcript in a cave. Treasure in earthen vessels. I don't know whether you're aware of it, but to... In Roman time, Romans were pretty good warriors. That's why they conquered the world. And in the process, when they're coming back in a triumphal procession, they had all of the gold and goods that they had melted down and put within clay pots. That was their treasure that was kept in earthen vessels. At Corinth, there were many small potteries uh, lamps that were sold, some of which contained these treasures that uh, had got mixed up along the way. You and I have the treasure within us, the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Some of you are pretty good looking. I wish I could say the same. But even that is nothing compared to the radiance that emanates from those who love Jesus. You know what I mean? You, you see it in who they are. You see it in the life that they live. The truth of that. You and I are earthen vessels created from the dust and from dust you shall go. A pastoral experience leads you to many opportunities to be at funerals. 
And you know what? In all the funerals I've been to, I haven't ever seen a trailer behind the hearse. Because there's nothing you take with you except the life that you've lived for the glory of God. That's all that stands throughout for the glory of God. All the other rubbish will be insignificant to him. Created from the dust. Depended on the creator for life. When's your life going to end? Anyone here 22 yet? Yeah, that's the age my wife died. You wouldn't think it, would you? I tell you what, she loved Jesus. She was ready for whenever he would be taken. We need to live the same. That if tonight was our last night, does that make sense? It's so easy for 10 years to zap by in your life. You're not very old, but you've seen it happen already, haven't you? Live and serve him in the light of eternity. Does that make sense? You with me on this? That you and I might know that we are simply hanging on to Jesus, depending on him for every step of the journey, for those decisions in life that are critical. What will your journey be today? Who will you speak to today? What will it be like as you walk with him? What does he ask for you to do? To speak to that person. The contrast between the treasure and the container is extraordinary, isn't it? Wow. Uh, the scriptures put it this way, that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. Anything that's accomplished will be accomplished because you're dependent upon Jesus. Not because you've got skills, not because you've got abilities. It will be because you're dependent upon Jesus. The evidence of the priceless ministry that is seen in our life is seen in verses 7 to 9, that we have, this is what it says, we are afflicted but not crushed, being pressed on every side. For even when we came into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were afflicted on every side. Conflicts without, fears within, but God who comforts the depressed comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted in you. As he reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. Your service to Christ is seen in how much you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you read the Bible, if you pray a lot, if you... I, what, how's it go? If you love one another, yeah, you're easy enough to love. What does Jesus say? As I have loved you. Who? You prepared to lay down your life for one another? You prepared to give up things for one another? That's the journey. Living, serving in the light of eternity. He's perplexed, but not despairing. Because in his weakness, in his weakness, 
is the strength of God made perfect. This is the anomaly of Christian life. It's not in your capacity, but it's in your dependence that things eternal are done. Uh, Some of you are gifted as far as the world is concerned. Uh, That giftedness can be a hazard to you if it's not based upon dependency. All right? Some of you are intellectual and you'll think a lot about things. It'll depend on whether you simply by faith put into practice the eternal truth. Paul knew what it was like to be a hunted quarry. These uh, uh, Jews of which he was a part, which he was the chief amongst them, were hunting him down because he found Jesus, because he saw in Jesus who they crucified as the Messiah. He knew the truth. And in Christian life, uh, that's how it's been. Uh, When I was in uh, Irianjaya, West Papua, the only reason, not the only reason, a significant reason why the church in Papua exploded because the people of God in a little town called Maki were willing to have their life sacrificed as followers of Jesus rather than defend themselves with spears and arrows against an attacking neighbour. They saw something different in the willingness not to simply defend themselves but to give of a life because their hope was eternal. Everything changed when they found the gospel. And though we be struck down, we're not destroyed. The Apostle Paul was beaten up many times for proclaiming the good news. Once in Lystra, he was stoned and his apparently lifeless body was dragged out of the city and he was left for dead. He was raised up by the Spirit of God and restored to vigour. His body should have been dead. But it was not destroyed, not in the presence of the living God. You are never dead before God. Did you know that? Never. It's an amazing truth. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, eternal life forever and ever and ever. The only thing that happens is the nature of your existence changes when you're out of this body. You and I have a a priceless ministry. And we're revealing this priceless ministry, carrying out in our body the dying of Jesus. Uh, That which led to his voluntary substitutionary death for us will lead us the same way. This is what he says in Philippians. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus? You've learnt this in Luke 9.23. Please repeat it. Anyone? 
Take the cross daily. 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 <laughs> Why do we say that? Because we think it's a one-off. It means every day we live a life that says, I am yours. The life of faith. Did you get to book three, Galatians 2.20? No, you slackers. <laughs> Very important in the nature of what it means to walk in the spirit, to, to be those who understand it. This is what Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow, that's every day. It's in this attitude of dying to self that the life of Christ can be seen in this world. What do you see around you in our society? Who's the most important person in the world? Me. How do I show that? Did you see how many, what is it now? It's, it's gone from likes on Facebook to Instagram stuff, is it? Or I don't know. I, I'm, I've never been part of that, I'm sorry. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? Facebook built upon this knowledge of being somebody significant to other people's by the number of likes that you had. So identity is all based upon what others think of you. That's not what Jesus says. That's not what he says. It was in dying that Christ became victorious. Death works in us so that the life that we have is seen in the life of others and that they too find life in him. Uh, we have this priceless ministry, the, the revealing of it by all who have the same spirit of faith, the same attitude in accordance with the word of truth in common with other believers. On believing, one speaks. We all believe, therefore, we all speak. If you believe with Jesus and who he is, then you have a testimony that comes every day because he speaks into your life. Without that being revealed, people that you know and you love may perish. It's a, a quick hands up. I've heard many of the testimony from folk, which has been great to hear. Um, many of you have come from a Christian family. Uh, how many don't come from a Christian background? Okay. It means it takes somebody to speak in order for you to hear. Does that make sense? That's the job of us who know Jesus. That was the job of people for me, to reveal Jesus. People who respond and are saved will be raised up with us, presented to the King of Kings. Can you imagine how wonderful it's going to be when kids that you've had in kids' club, those that you've been part of encouraging, friends that you wouldn't have imagined are there with you forever and ever and ever and ever because your life, your service was in the light of eternity. Uh, that's why it's a rewarding ministry. Trials are working for us, not against us. 
And I'm yakking on too much for you, aren't I? All right. Um, that's the trouble with a, an old pastor. He gets older too. You wouldn't think it, but the trials in life are actually the things that are really important for your transformation. They work to shape us for eternity. You guys understand about being saved. But that's the first part of the journey. The journey is your sanctification of the person that you're becoming in the inner man. The person that you'll be throughout eternity forever and ever and ever is caused by the trials that are working for you. Sure, you're going to be without sin. That will change. But who do you think it's going to be? It's going to be you. It's going to be me. That's why the trials of this life, the challenges of this life, are working for us. It's the testing of your faith that produces endurance. It's beliefs that must be built upon truth that lasts forever. Uh, James in Romans reveals the truth that, that the inner man is being renewed. This momentary light affliction that Paul speaks about in this passage is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that lies ahead. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Romans 5. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Uh, Paul was not suggesting that the body is not important, or that we should ignore it, uh, but rather that the means of our transformation comes when we're tested. The truth of who we are is seen in what we believe. Everything else is going to pass away. You don't take it with you. You don't take it with you at all. Christ's likeness is seen forever. And relationships are abiding. Can you imagine? Don't answer this. You're going to be with Charlie forever. What a delight, eh? <laughs> you know the implication of that now? Love one another as much as you can now. Don't let the little things that annoy you, not that there'd be anything that could annoy you, that might annoy me, um, stand in the way of being someone who loves a brother or sister. Love. The real world, outside of this, is viewed by faith. We walk by faith. And it's been revealed by the eternal one who came, lived amongst us, revealed in his word here. Um, we're going to wrap it all up together in our conclusion. We have an eternal ministry. It's a priceless ministry. It's a rewarding ministry. It's centered in Jesus Christ. We are just ordinary vessels given the opportunity to
to contain the greatest treasure the world has ever known. Not gold, diamonds, precious jewels, but rather the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Wow. Our ordinariness, our sinful humanity can more clearly reveal the marvel of his treasure as we die to ourselves and live to Christ. For as we do, his power is there to sustain us and it's evidenced in our life. It's not in the good times that the evidence of Christ is seen in your life. It's in the trials. It's in those things that you can't understand, that don't seem to make sense to you. If you trust him, who declares to you, he will cause most things to work out okay for you. No, it doesn't say that. You know what his word says? He will cause all things to work together for good to those who are called by his name, those who love him. Right? Does that make sense? Uh, to lose those that you love stinks. Right? We don't love and then like to be separated. But it shows us we'll never be separated from him who loves us. Uh, death is an intrusion into this world that allows us to prepare for our life forever. We have an eternal ministry. Eternal. Eternal because it's the life of the eternal one being revealed. It's a ministry that is priceless. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world? Forfeit his own life. What does it matter? What does it matter if you're driving around in a hotted up VW? <laughs> or whatever it might be these days. Those things are all okay. What's significant is Jesus. Do we love him? Do we serve him? It's a rewarding ministry. So with the Apostle Paul, we do not lose heart. Do we? Despite all that happens around us. Because we are being changed because of that. For we serve him and one another in the light of eternity. I trust you will remember that every day that you continue to serve him. Can I pray for you? Then I'm going to ask Charlie to come up and close in a benediction. All right. Uh, Father, it's been a great privilege to be those who've come to understand your love for us. Quite extraordinary. Oh, we look at ourselves and think, uh, who are we? that the, the God of all this world uh, would be one who would help us to hear that good news. Thank you for those who have shared it, whether it's parents, whether it's friends, whether it's acquaintances, whether it's preachers, whether it's whoever it might be. Thank you for those willing to reveal your love and your life by their life and their love. Bless you. Amen. Thank you, Charlie.
No worries. Thank you so much for that message tonight, Jeff. Guys, we're going to move straight into supper this evening, so I believe there's hot chocolates available, so uh, those guys will get into that very, very soon. But please do share uh, some of what the Lord's done in through and around you this week. Uh, think about those who've been influential in your life and make sure you tell others about that tonight as well. It'll be greatly encouraging for each of us. Leading into this week, may you know Jesus more and may your heart's desire be to know him. May he shine his face upon you. May he give you peace and may you learn to trust and love him more. God bless one and all. Thank you for being with us.